So we hope you enjoy listening to this podcast half as much as we enjoy making it for you. Because we had a ball. Only real content is going to last. All that other nonsense is here today and gone tomorrow. Welcome everybody to Navigating Now, a different podcast. I'm your humble host, Des Cole, here with our co-host, Jay Bartlett. And each week we bring you topics and conversations to help you navigate your now as well as bring you advice from professionals who are and navigating their now with grace. Our goal with this podcast is for every single one of us to lead with a better understanding of the opportunities we could take advantage of, as well as skills that we can use to enrich our lives on a daily basis. Today, we're excited to have TK Brewer on the podcast. TK is an experienced corporate communications professional with a demonstrated history in driving business outcomes by applying innovative marketing and communication strategies. He is currently an internal communications manager at Spotify, but was able to gain industry experience at both Vice and Bloomberg, which we speak about on the podcast today, actually. We are super excited to share his knowledge and experience with the world. So without further ado, Navigating Now would like to welcome TK Brewer. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Navigating Now. It is your host, Des Cole. And today, our guest is quite a special one. He is the... uh, Internal. He is a internal communications manager at Spotify. Uh, he is also an alumni of uh, our school, Manhattan College, and he's also just a really, really cool guy. Uh, so, <clears throat> without further ado, uh, I'd like to uh, welcome TK Brewer to Navigating Now. TK, how you doing, man? Thanks so much. Go Jaspers, Jasper Nation. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, that's right. I, I, I did go to Manhattan College, and um, it's a pleasure to be speaking with the both of you. Thank you. Yeah, sure. So, TK, the first question I wanted to get into is just, uh, I wanted to ask, how old are you? And can you just give a little bit of your background? Sure. Um, so, I'm 28. Um, I uh, grew up um, in the tri-state area, um, small town called Brookfield, Connecticut, which is about uh, more or less like an hour and a half away from the city um, and uh, grew up um, be, you know, listening to a lot of music, primarily like punk um, and then like, you know, everything else sprinkled in between and um, wanted to uh, live in New York um, like my entire life um, and because it was so close. And um, I, I probably wasn't the most academic person um, in the world. Um, got lucky that I got into Manhattan College. Um, and um, that, that was really it. That was the catalyst um, to um, where I am today. And I mean that in the sense that the school was in the city um, and I could um, go see shows, um, but also build up a professional network here and make friends that um, I still keep in touch with to for today. Um, so, so yeah, that's like the incredibly um, abridged version. Um, and now um, I live in, in Manhattan right now. Um, so I'm trying to think it's been, yeah, 10 years because I graduated in 2010 from Manhattan College or 2014, sorry, I started in 2010. Um, so that's been like a solid 10 years of living in New York um, more or less, I didn't really go home on the breaks. So I stayed on campus in between and, um, and yeah, now, um, yeah, it's 2020 and, uh, 
a different year for sure. Um, but um, nonetheless, I'm still doing a lot of the same things that I would be doing um, if, you know, the world was still normal. I'm still releasing music, uh, still keeping in touch with my friends. And, you know, New York is not dead. Um, there's still a lot of cool things happening in the city, despite um, what's going on in, in New York and the world. Absolutely. It's not dead at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was just telling that to my brother this morning, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's this, this like, I think that the, the media kind of works it up to say as if like, it's a ghost town and, mm-hmm. you know, like there's, there's yeah. not a lot to do, but I mean, honestly, like, you know, I was out like two weeks ago, um, out to dinner, um, with my girlfriend and a friend who's, um, a graphic designer at Bloomberg, um, the, the, the media company. And we were, we saw the restaurants were mm-hmm. packed, but Full. you know, in a way that people, yeah, but it was like, people right. were safe. They all had masks on and there were mm-hmm. people playing music. So, mm-hmm. you know, New York is, you know, it's, it's been, it's a different time for sure. But like, I think like when, you know, um, there are challenges in the world. Like after 9-11, you saw New York kind of rally. Um, mm-hmm. I was only like 10 or 11. And so I don't really remember that, but I know people who were here who I worked with and said, it kind of feels like that. It's kind of mm-hmm. a little bit more prolonged because we're still in a pandemic, but um, yeah, New York is not dead. Not at all. But... <clears throat> so since your time in college, Manhattan, um, you've gotten a chance to kind of work for an intern at some some pretty cool companies. So I wanted to ask, can you speak on some benefits and shortcomings of working for some of these really large corporations? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. Um, so when I was a, a junior um, in 2012 or 13, I believe, um, I uh, kind of obsessed over like needing to have some type of internship. Um, and so I um, applied to like a ton of places and I came close to, in fact, I accepted one that was for a small newspaper in New York. Um, and um, after the fact that I, you know, I, uh, I, well, I was considering accepting this one, um, didn't officially. And um, I ended up, uh, applying to Vice um, Media. Um, so at the time, it was a much smaller company. Um, it didn't have a stake with Disney. Um, it was like the, they, you know, they had like all these crazy documentaries where they would sneak people into North Korea. Um, and like, you know, people would do like, you know, like, I don't know, they would do documentaries about like DMT or something, you know, like that's taboo culture, just like not, not the norm. And, and um, it was also like, you know, it was founded in Canada. So like had like a back in the day, it had like a big like skateboarding um, element to it um, and a music element. So I, I applied to this place and I I kind of obsessed with like wanting to work there. Um, And um, what happened was I like interviewed during my winter break on the spot. And like the next day they offered me like an internal communications or rather a communications internship which by the way, so happened to be me doing internal communications. It's crazy how everything kind of loops back. Um, I was sending out press reports of all of the coverage um, that Vice was working on at the time. And um, it was a really, really fun thing to be a part of. Um, I remember 
I was there for the season one launch of Vice on HBO. I don't think it's on HBO anymore. I think it's on um, a different network. It might be Showtime, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And um, so this was before they had like Vice News. So like mm-hmm. that wasn't even a channel. That was like they were talking about like we're going to be big. Like we're going to have a news channel. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to we're going to get it. Yeah. We're, Vice Sports uh-huh. is huge. That was yeah. before that was even there. There was noisy. Like I remember like running mm-hmm. into the, the editor. I mean, I was only an intern, so they probably don't remember me, but. Um, I would go in every day and like the big thing was sending on like a weekly report. Um, and funny enough, I do that, um, for Spotify today. And that's just like one small fraction of my current scope of work, but it was cool. Um, and the parties were awesome. Um, and I was at a brand that was about to explode. Um, Mm -hmm. and in the terms of like, like recognition and and now it's way bigger. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I left and then, um, I ended up um, working for uh, Bloomberg and after college and then um, was there for five years. Um, and then I've been at, um, at at Spotify for like about a year. I think I like accepted the offer like this week of last year. So it's been a, like basically a full year. Um, awesome, awesome company. Um, but I want to I want to bring it back to your initial question, which is what's the benefit of working for the the pros and the cons of working for a big and a small company. I think that, um, and and please, that's what your your initial question was, right? That's yeah, what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think I think like working for a big company is awesome. Um, you know, like you. So if you're working, so it's awesome in the sense that you kind of know what like your job is, right? So like at Bloomberg, which is a, a company that's twenty thousand employees um much larger more than double the size of what spotify is spotify is about like six thousand um and all of this um well for spotify it's public so you could look it up in the earnings um report that came out today they disclose all that information um but the the difference is right like at bloomberg like you really know um what your job is um so like it's very clear cut like this person does that this person does this um, and oftentimes, you know, that company acts like a startup, um, because there's so many different business verticals where you can get that startup feel. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I think that, you know, when you're, when you're trying to figure out what you want to do earlier in your career, I think it's the, the benefit to, um, to a large company is that it's, it's very tailored. Like you will have a certain set, like, um, maybe curriculum is the wrong word, but like direction of like what you want to do when you're in a certain job. And when you're like entry level, you can like navigate that because your job isn't that like high of a risk yet. Where like, if you do something wrong, like it's probably not going to cost you your job. But if you're like higher up the food ladder, you know, like you can do something and and, like royally mess up. Um, So I think like the benefit of like a big company, like a Bloomberg Spotify too, um, you know, is that you can really carve out your path. Spotify is a little bit different um, in the sense that, you know, Bloomberg is a private company, so it's not publicly traded. Spotify is a public company where we are publicly traded. Um, And we have to, you know, the way we report um, how the company works is different. We have quarterly earnings, whereas Bloomberg is a private company and they don't need to disclose any of that information because the former mayor, Michael Michael Bloomberg, owns that company. So the way that they operate is a little bit different and Spotify is a little bit smaller. I mean, 6,000 employees is a lot, but it's still much more of a, I think it's a little bit more startup-y, especially Mm -hmm. in the 
the PR like internal comms world because like Spotify is like a youth, like it's a brand, like it's it's um, you know it's a household name. Bloomberg is for financial the financial industry. Like if you're on Wall Street, you definitely know what the Bloomberg terminal is. If you're a business student, you probably know what the Bloomberg terminal is um, because it's baked into college curriculums. So I think like the 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 cons for for working at big companies um could be that um you know there's a level of entrepreneurship with these jobs but like you aren't going to be able to you know go sell your product so like me and communications at bloomberg or spotify or even at vice like advice i'm not going to be selling their their magazines if that's still even a thing anymore um i'm not going to be selling um the bloomberg terminal and i'm not going to be selling um, you know, Spotify premium subscriptions. Um, I, my job is to help sell that by communicating and, and like arming the sales team. Or if I'm in an external communications, if I'm pitching a story, I want to position Spotify or Bloomberg or Vice in the best way possible. So I think that like if you're at a smaller company, like a startup, say something that's like, you know, 50 to 100 people, like it's all pros and cons because if that company takes off, right, and they, they IPO, um, for Spotify, for example, right? Like there, there were employees here who I work with, who I've met, who have been here for since day one. And they remember when the office was, you would talk to Daniel Ecker, who's the CEO, and he would come up to you and have a conversation. That doesn't happen when you're in a large um, organization, you know, when you, when you reach a certain level. And also too, if you're thinking about like money and like, you know, personal finance, like you, you oftentimes when you work for a smaller startup, you might get some equity package where like, if you go public, like you can cash out big time. So I think that there's pros and cons on those two sides, like having a startup um, and then working for a big company. And, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to start your own small business, um, you have to, I think it's, it's definitely way more work because like you don't have anything to validate your credibility and you need to be constantly, like you are the salesperson, you are the marketing person, you're the, the CFO, like you're managing your, your balance sheet um, and, you know, your, your partnerships with other, with other businesses. Um, so I think that, you know, all of that is still very much doable, um, you know, with the, with the, the internet and all, but like, I think there's pros and cons and I think that there's, every person is different, you know, there's also the agency world. Um, you know, if you're, if you're like into marketing or, or communications, um, you know, you, like, I work with a lot of agencies, Spotify has a ton of agencies, Bloomberg, all major companies work with agencies. Um, and the great thing about an agency, right. Is that if you're looking into that, it's, it's more established. So like you could go in and be like an account coordinator or assistant account executive, rather. I think that's like the entry level role, um, and the beauty about that is it's kind of like going back to college in the sense that um, a lot of agencies, like if you're in that type of role, there's relatively people in their early 20s and you can kind of get that liberal arts-esque education where you're getting a little piece of every little brand and then you, or industry, right? So like you could be working on Tide, you could be working on Ford and you could be working on Twitter. Those are your accounts. Those are different industries, different ways and maybe a bank, right? And like, those are all different industries. And so you can, you can like learn like what you really like 
And a lot of times people in, in the agency world, they build up that experience and then they finally, they switch with what the, what the industry would call in-house. So they'll go in-house <laughs> to a major company like that tie or the bank or um, a Twitter. So it's a very long answer um, of all the possibilities of corporate America. Well, very, very informative. Um, I kind of wanted to loop back around too, because I know that you've done communications now for media company, uh, music brand, and uh, politics, basically, or Bloomberg. Yeah, sure. Um, so one I wanted to ask, um, was communications what you studied? And like, was that always what you wanted to do? Yeah, great question. Yeah, first um, of all. So as I said before, I didn't really care too much about school um, when I was in high school. Like, I just wanted to play music. Um, I, you know, I lived and breathed music. Um, and um, then it got to the point of your parents being like, oh, like, you need to go to college or else, like, you're not going to, like, be successful, which um, it sounds very cliche. And there's a lot of people who will say it, but it is true. Like, you don't need to go to college to do um, a lot of what I'm doing. Um, I think it's a huge advantage, um, but it's not necessarily like the one size fits all thing. So college isn't right for everybody, but um, I, I uh, was lucky enough where I um, interned at like going into college at a medical lab and I think it was at Yale University. Um, and I was kind of fascinated with like that work, but it was very much so like people telling me that like, this is what you want to do here's what you want to do. And um, so I, um, I was a pre-med, like I got accepted into Manhattan College as a pre-med student. Mm -hmm. And as I got closer, like that summer going into Manhattan College, like that awkward, you know, year where you're like, oh, fuck, like I'm going to, to college now. What's this going to be like? Um, I changed over to um, communications. And I, I mean, like, I, 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 I'm someone who like likes to read the news. Um, and so like, I like every morning, like I'm reading Bloomberg, I'm reading Wall Street Journal, I'm reading the New York Times. Um, I have subscriptions to all of that um, through work, some I pay for. Um, so I went to school for that, um, I think. And then also like I was an English minor. Um, so like writing and like that creative expression was something that um, I, you know, I've always been chasing and like, um, I, yeah, I'm very lucky that like I followed through with that. I honestly don't think I, like there are times where like, I'm like, oh, I could have been like a salesperson and like sell this, but like this product. And like, I've had people tell me that. And then like some people being like HR, like recruiting. And like, honestly, like mm -hmm. that's not for me. Like, I, I think sales is, is awesome, but like, I, I enjoy like the beauty of communications or marketing is that like your job is creative and you're still working for a corporation and like there are boundaries where your creativity can hit a wall but like yeah like no like I'm very like lucky and like I, I don't really know there's very there's like a very hand, uh, a small handful of people that I know that like stuck with communications and they're still doing it um, so yeah, I like, so, uh, a follow-up to that, just having to, uh, or being able to do communications at different scopes, yeah. 
What are what have you learned to be the most important strategies for internal communications? Ooh, that's a um, great question, and I think the short answer is, um, you know, mapping out what you want to say. I mean, this sounds so straightforward, but it, it's a little bit more complex than that. Like, if you have a major announcement, you want to make sure that all of the right people are reading it. So if you are doing internal communications for a major company and there's an organization, there's like a, you know, a major product announcement, you want to inform all of the right people at the right time. Um, you want to have metrics. And I mean by that is analytics. So like, I think of it twofold, right? Like there's, there's, there's like the, the process of a communication is say Spotify or say Bloomberg or uh, Google is like announcing some type of product. You want to be looped in on that conversation and create some type of plan where you can say, what is the most important audience that needs to know that this is coming out? And, uh, you know, it's the product team, it's the sales team, it's the people who um, are like directly involved with the process. And then you want to map out how like different phases of how you're going to communicate that. So if the product mm -hmm. is ready, then you post it somewhere internally. Then you think about, okay, well, there's only a certain amount of people are going to be reading this. How do I blow it up? Maybe it's a newsletter. Maybe it's a all company-wide town hall um, mm -hmm. company meeting where all of the employees tune in. And then what are you going to do after that? Like, what's the cadence? So like, after you communicate that, like, is there a phase two of that product launch? Um, or are you going to stop there? And if you're going to stop there, how are you going to prove your value back to your stakeholders? Um, and that's the people you work with. So how do you say, okay, we did this, here's how it landed. And I think it's twofold. There's your, your hard metrics, which are like the, you know, 120 people out of 150 people read your announcement. Um, you know, um, you know, here's what the, the, the stories they clicked on um, in your article. That's like the hard metrics. Those are kind of easier to capture. And then you have your, your soft metrics, which are um, more qualitative. And what I mean by that is like, um, you know, what was the sentiment? Like, did people like that we announced that announced this product? Um, you know, how did people feel about it? Like, were people having conversations about it after they exited their town hall where you spoke about this? Did you, you know, did you have like some type of survey where you know you got feedback and you that's like that's like the qualitative feedback that you can then create some type of email or some type of document um, and report that back to the person who owns that product. And that proves your value and you get more buy-in from the people that you're working with. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, that's like, that's like kind of how communications for internal communications works. Um, a lot of companies, they, they, they think of it as like when you're in college, you have a thesis statement, right? Like mm -hmm. teams have thesis statements and they call that like, um, you know, like it's your, your business objective. That's what they'll mm -hmm. call it in the business world. So like, most companies for internal comms, it'll be like to inspire, to inform, and to enable your employees because your employees at your company are your number one asset because they're the ones who are making everything happen. Um, so if you can inform them about what's relevant, if you can inspire them to be creative with their work, to go above and beyond and educate them, then like you're, you're winning. Sure, absolutely. So, so my next question kind of takes a transition, but it's like, sure. I think you have a really unique 
perspective just because you work at Spotify. So I wanted to ask, where do you think the future of music and audio distribution as a whole is headed right now? Sure. Um, so I can't technically speak on Spotify's behalf, but I can say from my perspective, like I think um, that um, there, you know, I think that there's only going to be more and more music and podcasts being released. I think that COVID-19 um, for not just for Spotify, but for like pod- podcasting industry in general is getting like that, you know, that third wave of content, right? Cause like podcasting started like in the early 2000, like 2005, 2004, I want to say. And by the way, podcasting comes from Apple. So Apple coined podcast and then it kind of like, there was this first wave and like, it was big and you could download it on the iTunes store and, and then it came back. Um, and like Joe Rogan, um, you know, is like one of, you know, he's kind of like the guy's Oprah. That's how I think of, of Joe, Joe Rogan or like a Martha That's Stewart, funny. you know, That's funny. you know, he, he's like, he tries to be like this neutral guy and then he has controversial mm-hmm. guests on and then oftentimes he's critiqued for it. Um, sometimes rightfully mm-hmm. so. Um, and so, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think, I think that there's only going to be more of it. Um, I think that the way, you know, um, people consume will change. I think that, um, you know, whether that means like you're in a car and that experience is different. Um, I think that, um, you know, I don't see it going anywhere. I think like as an artist, I can speak on behalf of an artist because like I have music on Spotify, all of the streaming services. I think that the way that that they compensate artists will change eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that was going to be like my, my follow-up yeah. just about how, um, just because even we have friends so, that we have met uh, that make music and they put their music on DistroKid yeah and just, just like, like how and even massive artists like jay-z kanye all talking about wanting to get their masters and kind of that fight against the the, right. the music industry and how that's kind of transitioning it's just kind of well, interesting to see how those major labels are going to be able to transition like that yeah i mean the labels have a lot of power um, and they, they, you know, when you think about like what's going behind the scenes with every streaming company, um, the labels are like their, it's their talent. So they are the ones who are controlling a lot of like what's happening, um, what you see and what you read, um, you know, streaming rates, like that's brokered between the, the, the streaming providers and, and that I, 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 I think that there is a problem, um, I think that Spotify is aware of that. Um, I think that other companies are aware of that. Um, but I think that if you, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, if you were to take that out of, con- if you were to just cut what I just said there, that wouldn't tell the whole story. It's more nuanced um, because without Spotify or without, I, you know, without Apple Music, without Amazon, without all of these platforms, even SoundCloud, um, you know, even Tidal, um, mm-hmm. I'll throw them in the mix. Um, you know, these like artists are, are being able to create more content to send it out into the world more than ever. 
I think that the industry has changed. I think that, um, you know, as it, again, this is me speaking as an artist, um, you know, um, it's, it's like, yeah, like physical CDs are dead and, and that died and, you know, pirating like before there was a Spotify or, or any of that, there was a thing called Kazaa and like Rhapsody and like all of these other programs that were out there before Spotify. Um, some of them were illegal. Um, and Spotify came in and other streaming providers and they corrected an issue by making it actually like, it's not high, high margin, like where like you're, you know, walking out with like big, big money in your, in your pockets for some artists, that's actually not true. There's a lot of artists who are getting paid a lot of money through Spotify. Um, you know, Spotify and other companies pay out billions of dollars. And during COVID, like there's been a lot of artists that have been getting paid a lot of money for that. I think it's, I think it's, um, I think that. It's one of those things where if you're thinking of Spotify or Apple Music being your only form of income, like your only like way to market yourself as an artist, you're probably thinking about it in the wrong way, right? Like it's one of those mm -hmm. things where they say, don't put all of your eggs in one basket when you're investing, right? And I think people kind of think, well, you know, well, Spotify or Apple is like the only way, you know, as a musician, as a songwriter, um, as a guitar player, as a rapper, as a pianist, like that's the only way I'm going to make money. It's like, no, like, like I don't, I, you know, I work for Spotify. I would not put all of my music only on Spotify. Like mm -hmm. I I'm putting it on Apple music. They're a competitor. I'm putting it on as mm -hmm. many places as I can, because I'm thinking about myself as a business. So like Bandcamp, SoundCloud, like YouTube, like you have to be, you have to diversify where you're putting mm -hmm. your content out. And also if you're thinking of like streaming being the only way to make money as an artist now, I think that's, I think that's, unfortunately, it's not the right way to move forward. I think you need to think about merch. I think you need to think about like shows. I think you need to think about, yeah, like there's, there's other ways to make money. Um, no, that's not to say that there's a problem. Like, I think that there's a problem. I don't have the answer for that. I think that a lot of the companies are aware of that and they're trying to figure it out. Um, and they're working on it. And there's there has been a lot of progress made. Like I said before, there's been billions of dollars paid out to artists. Um, there's more artists now than ever that are discoverable. But me speaking as a musician, not as a Spotify employee, I I I think that they're they're more beneficial. Um, because look, if Spotify goes away or Apple goes away, there's gonna be something else, right? Like there was already mm -hmm. something else before Spotify. In fact, piracy even before the internet, that still existed. There was a second market for that. There was a black market. So you need to like think about it strategically. What can you work with what you have now that makes sense for you? So. Yeah, and I wanted kind of to follow up on talking about how there's so much kind of competition, but they're all with these really big companies, Apple Music, Spotify, mm -hmm. uh, Amazon. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on uh, the monopolies that are kind of evolving in tech. And something Ooh, that I question. noticed, yeah, something that I noticed recently was um, like, why do we, why haven't we broken them up? And I yeah. think the, the most difficult thing to distribute with them is the data. Because them being tech and yeah, online man. makes like a whole nother creates a whole nother variable with trying to disassemble the whole ship. So like if you were I, to just talk on so that. So for sure. So again, this is coming from me and I was a Spotify employee. I think that the tech companies are incredibly powerful. I think that 
the world in particular, the government, the U.S. government, um, even like the EU, they underestimated the power that like a Google or a Facebook or like a major corporation had. And now we've hit this point where um, politically, like with the 2016 election, we were kind of blindsided with what happened um, with like the Cambridge Analytica stuff. And like, I think like there, there definitely is a monopoly, um, you know, um, and um, yeah, I, I don't, I think that this is going to be an ongoing problem. I think that like the biggest thing, the key problem is trust, mm. consumer trust, right? Mm -hmm. Because like, we know that Facebook <clears throat> major companies are collecting data and we don't know where that information is going. And there's like a privacy issue. I also think that there is a lack of like the biggest problem I'm seeing right now, like with the election is that there's a lot of like older people who are using Facebook and they don't understand. There's a great documentary, I think called like the social dilemma or something like that. It's on Netflix right now. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it mm -hmm. where people don't realize that there are algorithms that are controlling the content that they're seeing. And I think our generation, like you guys, like mm -hmm. people who are my age, like we know that already, but there are mm -hmm. older people out there who see something on Facebook, who think that like they buy into like conspiracies and social media platforms like Twitter, um, Spotify, not so much. I mean, there are podcasts where we have like, there, there are people out there who can say whatever they want. For example, like Alex Jones was like on Rogan like yep. yesterday for mm -hmm. three hours going off getting drunk and you know just being that crazy, crazy. Yep. it was freaking insane um and but you got to realize like that you know um you know uh, but it doesn't really happen as much on on spotify or like other like i think like it's more like the the target right now is like really like um from again my personal opinion not spotify's i'm seeing it at like facebook and like mm -hmm. twitter and like they're starting to ban things and i think it's going back to that. There's a lack of education. Um, I think that older generations or people not, not going to just bucket an older generation. I think it's also people who just might not be educate themselves enough about how all this works and just read everything they see and they take at face value and it creates divide. So like, if you have one political mm -hmm. message, you're only going to stay in your own orbit. Right. right. And like, you're going to read things that make you feel comfortable, you mm -hmm. know? So, so I think that this problem, it's not going to go away. I don't think it's going to go away if, the current president wins next on Tuesday, which is hard mm -hmm. to believe that's coming up. If right. the other candidate wins too, it's definitely not going to go away. Right. Um, I think that there's going to be a breaking point, um, you know, but they are a private business and all of these companies are private. I mean, you know, they're publicly traded, but like they, you know, they, they do things that are within their own world. And like, I think that, um, yeah, I think there's a huge issue. I think it's trust. Yeah. I think I think something important that you touched on there is <clears throat> just the. Um, I'm going to kind of bring it back to what you said. Even you said even about, just about uh, artists, artists and, and diversifying where you put out your music. Sure. As a consumer, you, if you have that awareness that you if you only follow certain things, then you're just going to be an echo chamber of information, and mm -hmm. so you should diversify where you get your content. And the people that you follow and you know what i'm saying get both sides i think that is just something i'd encourage everybody to do because that because 
well, you will fall victim to that if you if you just take it like you said at face value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're nailing it right there, and I think that like, sure. But if you're only sticking to one service, right? So like, say like you only like Bandcamp, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But just understand the business model. Like that doesn't mean like I gotta pay for Apple, Spotify, right, Amazon. Right, right. No, it's it's like it's like you get your music, but then like, what are you giving back to that artist? Like, are you buying mm -hmm. their record? Like. Or if you really care about like the like the local art that's out there, like buy some of it, like buy physical copies of it, and that mm -hmm. that's something that Spotify and like other companies are creating online stores like merch. Like that's yep. yeah, yeah, <clears throat> for sure. You know what would be crazy? I just had an idea real quick. Imagine if Spotify created a marketplace like how Instagram did. Well, <laughs> that's that's um. Yeah, that's actually that. That's literally what Spotify's doing right now. That's like in their, their yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, mean, I can't again. I can't really speak on behalf of it. Some of this is already public. Like they're creating tools for artists um, right. to no, to promote dope. their work. You know, there's push notifications. They partnered with um, mm -hmm. stores where you can you know have like a merch bar. Right. Um, I think it's yeah, merchbar.com. I mean, one of my favorite things before about Spotify because I've had Spotify since like middle school. Yeah, is that like you could buy? Uh, I think it was some before, but like it showed like their tour dates. It showed if they were yeah. going to be in your city. That's, that's a marketplace. Gave, like, yeah, like so, so all that's of part that. of the I strategy. Really so cool. it's two sided, right? Like Spotify's goal is to make a world where, you know, like a billion creators are are having living off an equitable salary income, and. Mm -hmm. It's heading in that direction. I mean, like there was record payouts. Again, this is all coming off of like earnings and like the past information that we know this year that's public. Um, like that's happening. It's it's getting there. But there are things that need to be fixed, and you know they're they're like they're working on it. And I think that when I personally see campaigns, like you know when I see artists upset about all of like you know streaming rates and all that, like I I get it. Like you know like I personally speaking, like it's it's. It's not enough, but you have to think and, and realize that it's more nuanced than that. Like, it's not just the streaming providers. There's also the record companies. And by the way, like they have a huge seat at the table and they did back in like the sixties and seventies, when you're thinking about like the birth of rock and roll, um, you know, like that hasn't changed. Like they're still a major player in the music industry. They're, they're, they're like the rock that's holding everything together. Right. So, <clears throat> yeah, so we're running, <clears throat> Uh, pretty long. Time, but I'm not. Right. I'm. I'm not mad at it, about it at all. Yeah, no. I still wanted to get um, the last question that we asked everybody at the end. Oh, um, I have one more before we go to. Yeah, skills. one more. Sure. Uh, yeah, sure. I wanted to. I wanted to ask. Uh, how do you think music plays a role in culture as a whole? Because to us, like culture is <laughs> like that kind of lifeblood of society. Culture is the legacy of it's society. The it's for me personally and i'm incredibly biased because i'm a musician and this is what like again like i'm very 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 lucky um i think we said this before a couple like a couple months ago when we were talking about how like it's it's like when you're trying to find your job like it's it's like there's a level of luck there's a level there's mostly skill but there's also luck who you know and and cultural fit and like i'm lucky enough to work for a company that like is the number one streaming provider like you know like out there for music and in, in, in my opinion um and um i think it's incredibly important i think it heals i think um you know it's going to be really interesting to see 
um, the Wrapped campaign that at Spotify will be launching at the end of the year, where you see like what the top artists were. So like our teams are, you know, we're at my work job. Um, I have to be careful, you know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's, uh, that's where we're, we're starting to build that out. And I think like, you're going to see a lot of things that reflect what happened this year. Um, mm -hmm. and like, there's a lot of trends and I think people turn to music in all stages of life. Like when you think about when you have, you know, like a kid when you're younger and like your kid, like learns like sing along songs and then, you know, mm -hmm. that kid develops and they're into like, you know, at my age, it was like the Backstreet Boys and they used to have this thing called now that's what I call music, which I don't know if you you'll, you remember that. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, you do. Okay, cool. <laughs> they so, had like, all the different series. Yeah. Like now that's oh, what yeah. I call music 20. Like, yeah. No, 22. I mean, I 20, yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, for Thanks. me personally, I, uh, I was probably like in the third grade and I, I, uh, I got now that's what I called music three, which mm. um, I remember like when the first ones came out and like I saw like there was some stuff on there. I think it was like Blink-182. Um, mm -hmm. And like, I was like, hell yeah, like this, this is so cool. And um, that like incubated like the music I listen to today. Mm -hmm. And like, I still listen to like a lot of like that similar, but like smaller artists. And, you know, you think about Monumental, like there's always, like I always equate like where I was like to like a certain album. So like my junior year of high school, um, what, or senior year, I think was Kid Cudi, Man on the Moon. Like I, I equate memories to records and like when I hear a song, it brings me back. So for me personally, like, yeah, but it's, it's culture carriers, right? Like, you know, again, if you think about America, like Bruce Springsteen wrote a record after 9-11 happened, mm -hmm. there's going to be music that's coming out of COVID. Um, I personally release stuff without being stuck in my apartment and like, you know, like nothing else to do. Might as well like write music and, and like put it out there into the world. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think most people in the world, if you were to do a poll, I would say if it was a yes or no, do you like music? Most people right. would say yes. Right. Like, right. so it's not, it's not going anywhere. Um, and you know, it, do it doesn't matter what company you work for. You're going to the bank, you know, you hear like your drum mu music and money from an ATM, you're hearing the top 40 or like, even if you're working at the bank, like the JP Morgan downtown or midtown Manhattan, they probably have somebody's playing music, right? Like right. it's everywhere. No, for it's incredibly sure. important. No, Every genre. I really, liked, I really liked how you, uh, you talked about how you, I think everybody does it. They have albums for like certain moments of their life. Yeah. For some reason, I just want to ask, is it the same thing in your generation? Cause everybody seems to think summer 16 was like the best. <laughs> summer, 16, summer 16 fucking that ruled. was that was so great I know summer 2016 was awesome it was yeah it was great though wasn't yeah it? <laughs> oh yeah for sure i mean like for me actually like i because like i so yeah like i don't like um it, it depends on what genre like for me like i mean you just mentioned drake so like hip-hop like mm -hmm. sure that was great um oddly 2000 i mean i don't really like kanye but like i like right. my beautiful dark twisted fantasy like if you're talking about hip-hop like that was what if probably like top top 15 records for me of all time like could make it for like best nice. hip-hop and then it's funny like i was going to bed the other night and i and i um someone so you i don't know if you heard machine gun kelly mm -hmm. his his new record where he like switched to pop punk it's it sounds like a blink 182 record yeah really? it's not rap yeah it's crazy I, like i was reading more about him because I, I i knew about him but i knew about him with his beef with eminem and so yeah, yeah and like, it's so funny like 
I was listening to Eminem and I was like, oh man, like I remember like when the Marshall Mathers EP came out and when Eminem was like the king of rap mm -hmm. and then like, yeah. And then Kanye and then Drake. And yeah, for me personally, I think like the best year of music was like 2011, 2010, 2009, like for indie, for like, like, mm -hmm. like, like indie rock. Like if you go like on like Pitchfork and you read, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Pitchfork. But if you go on like their best music of, um, you know, they, they do it like every year, they'll do like best record, best mm -hmm. albums, some really great stuff that came out then. I actually think that there's been a lot of great music this year. Um, I think there's been. So it's great. been killer. And I, um, I think that more, more of it's going to be, you're going to start to see more of like the COVID stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I think when there's, as an artist, like as a musician, like there's always, when there's dark times, like, creativity sparks and that's that's what i'm saying about new york man like there's still a lot of things that are happening here it's not that oh yeah all right so this was the final question uh that we asked everybody sure. um well, I think, did though... you have another one or no did no good uh, jay yeah yeah did jay do you have another or no that's all good we'll get into the last one. Oh, cool 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 yeah all right so um yeah so the final question we ask everybody is, what is the most important skill that you've learned and applied so far, uh, I'd say, in your life? Being a good person. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's such like a generalization. But I think like in a job, at school, in a band, like, you know, um, as a brother or, you know, as a son or whatever, like your role is in life. Like, I think if you're being authentic, who you are and you're not going out of your way to go behind someone's back or like, you might not understand something completely. Like when you start your first job, you're not going to know a lot, but as long as you're smiling and you have like a good attitude and like, there's going to be incredibly stressful periods in a career or your life. I mean, now like everybody's stressed, like anxiety, depression's up during COVID, like reaching out to people and reminding them that they're all human. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like that, that's like beneficial calling people, checking in with them, not burning bridges with people, like keeping the lights on. Um, you know, if it's, if, you know, if, if it's something political and they don't agree with you on it, like, you know, rather than, you know, screaming at them and, and, and deleting them from like a Facebook or something like, no, like it's like keep the light on and, and try and voice your opinion without, you know, seeming mean. And and like I think like th I really wish there was more of that like today. Um, but I think like you'll be successful. You don't have to be the smartest person or the most skilled person in any job um, in any company, because um, guess what? One, there's probably someone who's more skilled than you. Um, and two, like nobody wants to work with an asshole right? Like, like, sure, you know, yeah. like you're, you could be like the, you know, an Ernest Hemingway and, you know, have a publishing company and have a Pulitzer prize. And then you work in like advertising and your writing is superb, but you're like, people don't like you. Like, and mm -hmm. you know, like, and you're not going to like, you're not going to do your best work if you're trying to work with someone who's not that fun to be around. Right. So. No, you're like, uh, I think, what are we, six for six on that one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Well, look, it's it's a pleasure. Um, I'm happy to, you know, continue talking with you both. You, you're very good people. And 
Thank you. Um, yeah, when the world is normal, you know, again, as I said before, but we'll have to grab beers and just like be normal people hanging out rather than hidden behind computer screens. Right. Uh, yeah, hopefully sure. that's sooner than later. But. Yeah, I'd love to, maybe we can interview you as uh, TK the artist. <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be really yeah. cool. Cause I mean, I, I, I just personally have like three friends who are all trying to make it in music and yeah. they all record out of their rooms and stuff like that. So yeah. I just think you're, uh, Oh, thanks. Yeah. I know you're talking the, about it a little earlier. Yeah. I mean, we're in the right yeah. location. I mean, I, I mean, look, if you're, if you're in New York, you're still like, there's still music here. Like it, it's going to come yeah. back. Like it's, it's always been this way. There's been hard times, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not, it's also, it's not the first pandemic for New York. Like everybody likes to talk about how, like, you know, like, Oh my God, it's never been this bad. And, and like, it's all about perspective, man. Like, like right. 1918. I mean, I, I, I love to read history and, um, like I, you know, like I, I like sometimes we'll read like biographies of like, you know, people like, like world war one, like world war two, mm-hmm. like I'm reading like a Churchill biography that I've been working on for almost a year now. It's hopefully going to be done with it soon. But like, there were times where it was tough in New York. Like there was a pandemic. In fact, it was way worse. Mm-hmm. And there was still right. music that was happening then. It's just not how we think about it today. So right. we'll get through this. And yeah, and if you're a musician, like keep going, you know, like don't stop, keep creating. All right, yeah, well, thank you very much, TK, for having on. I'm sure this will, or for being on here, I'm sure this won't be our last conversation, as you said before. Oh, well, that's right. Um, but uh, just before we go, if you'd just like to uh, shout out yourself, your handles, where anybody could find you. Yeah, ahead. sure. Um, I'm on Twitter, um, at TK Tweet It, I believe is my handle. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I think it's tbrewer7735. Um, I'll actually be sharing on my uh, my Instagram later. Um, I recorded last weekend with, um, so I said before I released that EP, I mm-hmm. had a buddy who's a who's like a really excellent um, filmmaker. His name is Zach Cooper. He works for, he does like freelance work for Sony. But we went into a mm-hmm. studio um, and recorded two songs from the EP that I put out earlier this month and um, actually aired it internally today for Spotify, which is really cool um, oh. for like a Halloween costume, or a concert, um, Halloween concert for employees um and it, I, I didn't get to see it um but um i'm gonna go like rewatch that later tonight and then I'll, I'll put it on my uh my instagram so so yeah yeah for sure well i mean we'll link everything in the description for anybody listening awesome uh so yeah go definitely go check him out all right yeah, thank you so much thanks so much and, and stay safe guys it's always a pleasure talking with you yeah. all right you as well Thank you for joining us again today. If you didn't catch TK's social handles, they will be posted in the description of wherever this is being shared. As always, make sure to share this podcast with your friends and family. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you guys would like to hear on the podcast. Our DMs are always open. Make sure to check out differentny.com. We just dropped a clothing line collaboration with Champion. You could also find more fashion and art there as well. Or you could check out our creative agency at differentconsulting.com to check out our collaborations and to reach us if you guys have an idea. We also post the gems of all these conversations five days a week on Instagram and YouTube at different, D-Y-F-R-E-N-T, so make sure to follow us on all of our platforms. Signing off is your host, Des Cole. Thank you for listening to another episode of Navigating Now. It's just different.